Good morning, everyone, and welcome along to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio. My name is Rosie, and today we are celebrating Space Exploration Day and Moon Day as well. And I've got the perfect guests to help me. So I first of all want to say hello to Dara. Hello, Dara. Hi, Rosie. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. Yourself? Thank you. I'm excited because you're going to be helping us on an adventure today. Tell us a little bit more about you, Dara. So I actually work at the National Space Centre in Leicester as a space expert, um, which sounds like a fancy job title. And I actually love my job. I basically keep up to date with what's happening in the world of space, space science and astronomy. And then I get to share that with our visitors and the public. So, yeah, my hobby is my job. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on on the show today. I think you are going to be the perfect person to help us. But Dara, I've enlisted some help. I hope that's okay. I think we might need some. We're going to need some help, aren't we? Um, So I've got another guest in the studio. Hello, guest. Hello. Hello. What's your name? My name is Ellie. And Ellie, how old are you? I'm nine years old. Nine years old. Now, Ellie, you live quite close to us here in Riverside Radio. We're here in Battersea. You live not too far away. Yeah, I live in West Norwood. West Norwood, so not too far away at all. And Ellie, what do you want to be when you grow up? Have you got any ideas yet? Yeah, my two main things are either an astronaut or a pilot as an astronaut because I love space and it would be quite cool to be floating around in space uh, <laughs> and I'd like to learn a lot more about it that's perfect oh I've got the most ideal duo with me to help me learn about space this space exploration day well we're going to be launching off after this, this good morning everyone and welcome back to the Saturday Splash here on Riverside Radio you are listening to Rosie where we are about to blast off into space. Whilst you were listening to that song, we have transformed our studio here in Battersea into a spaceship. We are going on an adventure because it is Space Exploration Week and it's also Moon Day. Now, we've met our two guests. We've got Dara and we've got Ellie. Ellie, I have a very important question for you. Could you please be our captain of our ship today? Of course. Of course. You've got such a lovely big smile there, Ellie. Thank you very much. Now, every every spacecraft needs a name. So have you got any names for our spacecraft today? Maybe the Johnson Space Cruiser, named after Catherine Johnson, who um, who was the calculator for NASA's first uh, moon missions. Oh, wow. I can see Dara giving you a big beaming smile there. I think you've, you've chosen a really good name. So is it the Johnson spacecraft? Yeah. Uh, Dara, do you approve? I think that's a beautiful name. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Okay, everyone. Um, Dara, a big question for you. Would you mind being our science officer to guide us around space today? We don't want to get lost. And that would be my privilege. Ah. Oh amazing right i think we should get ready to blast off um we are off into space everyone hold on tight don't leave your hats behind it's going to be quite a fast adventure but we have a big decision of where to go and of course that's a captain's decision now captain ellie here on our johnson spacecraft we've got two destinations to begin with for you to choose from what would you like to go and explore first of all would you like it to be the moon or 
something that's been in the news quite a lot recently, the James Webb Space Telescope. So it's completely up to you, Captain Ellie, and Dara will put in the coordinates and we'll whiz off. Um, maybe the James Webb Telescope. Okay, boop, 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 boop. We'll put in the coordinates. Let's head off over to the James Webb Space Telescope. Now, Dara, our fantastic science officer, what can you tell us about this? Well, you're absolutely right, Rosie, that it has been in the news very much recently. Um, so maybe we start off with kind of the, the launch of James Webb. So it actually launched on Christmas Day last year, um, but it didn't launch from here in the UK or even from North America, it actually launched from South America, a place called French Guiana. Um, it travelled one and a half million kilometres from the Earth to its destination, its home now out in space. Wow. And for the past six months, it's been spending time just unfolding its sunshield to protect it from the sun's heat and light. It's been calibrating its instruments and it's about ready to begin its science operations now. Oh, What's amazing wow. about James Webb is how big it is. So if you've heard of the Hubble Space Telescope, um, that's one of the best telescopes we have right now to look out into the universe. The James Webb Space Telescope can actually collect six times more light than wow. Hubble can, Ooh. which is incredible. Um, and the big difference is that James Webb actually collects light that we can't see with our eyes. So you might have heard of things like microwaves and ultraviolet light. James Webb Space Telescope actually detects something called infrared light. And what it means is it can see very far back into the universe. It can see through dust that hides all these baby stars that are growing in clouds. Um, and it can actually see back to the first stars and galaxies that were <gasps> forming, which is incredible. And just a couple of uh, days ago, we were uh, kind of given those first ever science quality images from the James Webb Space Telescope. And if you have seen those images, I'm sure you'll agree, they are quite incredible. Yeah, and I guess that's just the beginning of what, what it's going to be able to do. Absolutely. So it gives you a little snippet of, wow, this is what it's able to do in just uh, kind of it's kind of calibrating its test phase. And now the real science really will begin. So lots of exciting stuff to look forward to. Oh, that's amazing. Captain Ellie, you're a brilliant captain. Good choice. Very good choice for our first destination. Now, Dara, we love a bit of a quiz here on the Saturday Splash. I reckon, before we move on, can you quiz us on the James Webb Space Telescope? Let's see if we've been listening. Let's see if we learn anything. Okay, I'm going to give you a question. And if you need a couple of uh, multiple choices, I'll drop them in. But I'll okay. try without first. So I mentioned that the Webb Telescope doesn't detect light that we can see with our eyes. Can you remember what type of light... <sighs> The web telescope does observe. Oh, Ellie, we do you remember Ellie? I think it was the infrared. Infrared. You know what? I remember Dara saying something about infrared. Do you? Do we get it right, Dara? Yay! Ding, ding, ding. That is the perfect answer, and it's what makes Webb different from lots of the other telescopes we've sent up. It's looking at that infrared light. Well done, Ellie. Wow, you are both fantastic. I am so excited to be here on this mission with you both today. But unfortunately, we've got to go to a quick break. So we'll be back after this. this is 
Good morning. Welcome back to the Saturday Splash, where we're not splashing today. We are surfing. We are surfing through space here on Riverside Radio. This Saturday Splash is all about learning about nature um, here in London, but also all around the world. And today, even beyond the world, we are celebrating Space Exploration Day. And I'm still joined by Captain Ellie. Hello, Captain Ellie. Hello. And our space officer, Dara. Are you still there, Dara? I'm right here. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so Ellie, Captain Ellie, you made the perfect decision for our first choice. We have been to see the James Webb Space Telescope, but we're going to be moving further out now. Your next choice of our next destination is either Mars or Venus. So where should we go, Captain Ellie? I think probably Venus. I'm going to go to Venus. All right, then we'll put the coordinates in. Bloop, 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 bloop. Dara. Take us to Venus. What can you tell us about Venus? I'm actually really glad that Ellie picked Venus because Venus is my favourite planet. <gasps> but perhaps after what I've told you, you might consider me to be uh, just a little bit crazy for loving Venus. So <laughs> this planet is known as the Earth's twin. And that's because Venus is just slightly smaller than the Earth and it is a rocky world. But actually, it's one hot mess of a world. It oh. has a super thick atmosphere. And that atmosphere is mostly made of carbon dioxide. And that means that it acts a bit like a giant blanket and it heats up the planets like this greenhouse effect that we get on Earth. And that means that temperatures on Venus on the surface can get to about six, uh, 462 degrees Celsius. Oh, my goodness. That is hot enough to melt lead. So it's hotter it's than London big. in this heat wave recently as well. Super, super hot. <laughs> and the thick atmosphere also means that that air is pushing down on the surface. And that means that the pressure you'd feel on the surface would make it feel like you were almost a kilometre underwater here <gasps> on Earth. So you'd be pushed down by all of that air as well. Um, it has clouds of sulfuric acid, which isn't very nice. Um, and all of these things means that it's really tricky to not only see Venus's surface through the thick clouds, but it's also difficult to take spacecraft there. And there have only been a few probes that have landed on its surface, and they were the Russian Venera probes. And they only lasted a few hours on the surface because in that extreme heat <gasps> and that extreme pressure, their instruments pretty much failed after a couple of hours. Oh, but wow. we have got some images from its surface, which is great. Um, I can also say that recently, we, uh, a couple of uh, months, year ago, we kind of heard about this discovery that there is phosphine in the clouds of Venus. And you might think, well, why is that important? When they first discovered it, they discovered that there were concentrations of phosphine that are, can't be explained by anything else. It must have been caused by some sort of life, a <gasps> biosignature, we call it. You see, phosphine is actually found in penguin poo here on Earth. What? So it was kind of like, oh, if there's phosphine on the clouds of Venus, maybe it's being caused by some sort of life. But actually, there have been several studies that have tried to debunk that theory. Uh, and there's also a bit more that we need to know to really definitively say that that's the case. And we can look forward to new missions to Venus. So NASA are going to send some, uh, ESA, the European Space Agency, are going to send a mission too. But they'll be launching in the early 2030s. So we've still got a few years to wait, but it's a world that we definitely want to explore a bit more. Wow. So I think what I'm understanding from Dara, and correct me as I'm wrong, is that there are a load of penguin poo on Venus, pretty much? 
I'm hoping there aren't <laughs> penguins surviving in that hot mess of a planet, but it's exciting nonetheless to think about the possibility that even in our solar system, wow. there could be life. Ellie, did you know that? Nice. You, that was a good choice. At first, when Dara was saying about the hot mess of a planet, I was like, Ellie, why have you taken us here? But now that I know that there's potentially signs of life, very good choice. Um, okay, Dara, we're going to be moving on soon. But I think before we leave Venus, can you quiz us? I can. Now, this one might be a tricky one. Um, so I'll give you, uh, you know, even if you get in the rough ballpark, I'll, I'll definitely give you the, the answer. So Mercury is the closest planet to the sun, but it's not the hottest. So Venus is actually the hottest planet. Uh, can you remember how hot the temperatures on Venus reach? Okay. Well, I remember saying it was almost as hot as London in a heat wave, but I'm guessing... Oh, you did say something about it melting lead. Oh, uh, yeah. But that doesn't help me remember anything. Ellie, any ideas or should we just have a guess? I think it was in the 400s. 400 degrees something near that and everyone at home can guess along if you remember it as well how hot was venus um so should we go for 400 ish degrees ellie yeah okay um dara we're gonna suggest 400 ish we have got a superstar here in ellie because you are bang on it's over 400 degrees celsius it can reach an average of 462 degrees celsius wow so that is pretty hot super job ellie we'll be back after this fantastic now captain ellie we're going to be waving goodbye to venus you've got a very very hard decision now ahead of you we're going further out your next choice where should we go a black hole or a star stars very interesting but i think maybe black holes we're going for black holes. Very, very, very exciting. Okay, Dara, we'll plug it into our coordinates. Let's jet off. Maybe not too close to the black hole. Not sure what might happen there. Um, but welcome to the black hole, everyone. We made it super sonic speed. Um, Dara, what can you tell us about black holes? Well, I'm not surprised that Ellie picked black holes. I think I probably would have picked black holes as well. They are very elusive, mysterious things that we find in our universe. And there are two types of black holes. So you get the smaller ones, which are called stellar black holes, and they're created at the end of the life of a massive star. And then you get the much bigger black holes, they're called supermassive black holes, and we find them in the centre of pretty much every large galaxy in the universe. Now, just thinking about what a black hole is, everything that has mass is made of material, has gravity. And the more mass you have, the more material you're made of, the more gravity you have. So believe it or not, Ellie and Rosie and mum sitting there and myself, we're all made of mass. That means we all have gravity. We're all pulling on each other, but actually we're so small, our gravity is so weak. So when you get to things the size of the earth or the sun, much bigger things made of more mass, it has much more gravity. A black hole is something that has so much mass, so much material that its gravity is so strong that it has collapsed down into something tiny, tiny, tiny. And even if you were traveling at the speed of light, the fastest thing in the universe, you wouldn't be able to escape from the black hole. Its gravity oh, wow. would suck you in. Oh dear. Oh, so we will be careful. Yeah, yeah. So let's not get too close to a black hole. Um, if we did get quite close to a black hole and we passed something known as the event horizon, this boundary around the black hole, 
what would happen is we would get sucked in we wouldn't be able to come out of the black hole because we couldn't travel faster than the speed of light and because weird things happen to space and time around a black hole something called spaghettification would happen so if you were to fall feet in to the black hole first your feet would get stretched out and then your legs would get <laughs> stretched out and then your torso would get stretched out and finally your head would be stretched out as you sort of fall into the black hole now would be dead long before that happened <laughs> but that's what would happen to material as it falls into a black hole mm -hmm. just to give you an idea of kind of how dense these black holes are if we were to turn the earth into a black hole you would have to squash all the material on earth that means all the land all the mountains all the seas the animals the buildings everything on the earth you'd have to squash it down into something that was the size of your thumbnail <gasps> that's how compact material has to be to become a black hole. I'm looking at my thumbnail and that is absolutely tiny. We'd have to squash everything into that. It's almost mind boggling. It's really difficult to really comprehend just how tightly material is packed in a black hole. I think you've done a pretty good job of helping us understand though. That is, that is insane. Now, Captain Ellie, I, I should say, do you have any questions for Dara on our voyage so far? Or are we all right for now? Uh, do you think it's called spaghettification because you get stretched out and uh, spaghetti is very long stretchy. That's probably why they've gone for that word and it makes it easier to remember, doesn't it? Yeah. It's it's a good word. I think you're absolutely right there. Um, now, Dara, I was going to say, do you have any questions for us before we move on? It could be about black holes or it could be about the star if you want to throw us a curveball, um, but up to you. I am going to throw you a little bit of a curveball because I think we've done uh, about black holes and I talked about the two types of black holes. So I said that you get black holes in the centre of a galaxy, a supermassive black hole, and then you get stellar black holes, those that are formed from dying massive stars. Mm -hmm. So here's a question to get you thinking about stars. Um, how many stars do we have in our solar system? I'm I'm thinking a really big number. Oh, hang on. Ellie? I think um, our solar system is um, quite massive. But I'm just wondering if, it's the, if the sun is the only star. Do you know what? I think you're absolutely right. Because I was about to say hundreds and thousands, but... In our solar system, all of the planets go around the sun, don't they? Yeah. And the sun is, a, should we say one? Yeah, I think one, because like all the planets are in the solar system and then the sun is the yeah. centre of it. Yeah, it's just our solar system. Okay, Dara, we're locking it in. Number wow. one, one star? I think I was pretty mean there, giving you a really tricky question, but you've managed to get the correct answer. Well, well done. Ellie, right. you were a superstar, Ellie. <laughs> worked it out really well. We only have one star in our solar system, the sun, and it's called the solar system because solar basically means sun. So it's a system of mm. things that are going around our sun. But in our galaxy, we have hundreds of billions of stars. Amazing. Oh, well, you both have been amazing so far. I think we've got time for one final destination after this. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Saturday Splash, where we are currently hanging out near um, 
well, quite far away from the planet, actually. We've been on a bit of a voyage. We've seen the James Webb Space Telescope. We've we visited Venus and we're now by a black hole because we are exploring space for Space Exploration Day. Captain Ellie is at the helm of our ship. What was the name of the ship again? Um, the Johnson Spacecraft. The Johnson Spacecraft. We're cruising out. We're having a lovely time. Mum's in the corner looking after comms and health and safety. She's keeping us safe. And we've also got our science officer, Dara, um, making sure we're not getting lost. Dara, are you are you doing okay? I think we've covered quite a lot, haven't we? And we're, we're still on track, which is great. So we've definitely got a good pilot there. Now, if it's everyone's first time at home listening to the Saturday Splash, this is part of the Riverside Radio, where we like to learn about nature. And we thought, you know what? Space is part of nature. We can't forget about space. So we have decided to blast off into space. And Captain Ellie, we have one final destination for you to choose from, because we're just going further and further. We're going to have to head back to the studio soon. But your final destination to choose from is actually something that might be flying past us. It's going to be a comet or... An asteroid. What are you going to choose, Captain Ellie? Oh, it's very hard, but I think uh, a comet. We're going for comet. Okay, Dara, take us to the comet. Tell us what we might find. Okay, so comets and asteroids, I actually think people get kind of mixed up sometimes because we think of them generally as types of space rock and they both are. The difference is a comet is pretty much made mostly of dust and gas and ice, whereas asteroids are made mostly of rocks and metals. Now comets are named after their discoveries. Um, and you get some comets that uh, orbit our sun in maybe less than a hundred years. So something like Halley's Comet, named after the famous British astronomer, that comes around every 75 or 76 years. Mm -hmm. And then other comets can actually take hundreds, sometimes thousands of years to come all the way around to the sun and do one orbit. And that means that we might see them once and then we may never see them again. So Comet Hale-Bopp, we saw it in uh, 1995, but it takes two and a half thousand years to go all the way around wow. the sun. We're not gonna see that comet in our lifetime again. So comets are actually, they come from the outer parts of our solar system. So we've got the planets and then we've got uh, the Kuiper belt. So just like the asteroid belt, which is full of lots of asteroids, the Kuiper belt, more distant from the sun beyond the orbit of Neptune, it's just full of lots of space rocks, lots of icy objects orbiting the sun. And even beyond that, there's something called the Oort cloud, this giant spherical region filled with these leftover pieces of rock and ice. Wow. And occasionally what happens is some of these pieces of rock or ice, they kind of get bumped or jigged and they end up coming all the way close into the inner solar system. They orbit the sun really close and then they head back out into the solar system. Now, comets look really pretty in the sky and that's because they often have tails with them. And those tails happen as the comet comes really close to the sun, because what happens is the ice in the comet sublimates away. And that means it changes directly from solid into gas, doesn't actually turn into a liquid first. And as that ice sublimates, the gas and dust that it trapped gets released. And that's what you see as the tails. It's that gas and dust from the comet. And that means over time, comets actually disintegrate. They break away. 
I think it's really interesting. The last point is that spacecrafts find it very difficult to not only travel to the moon or to travel to planets, but imagine trying to travel to something as small as a comet. Mm -hmm. And there's only been one spacecraft that's ever touched down on a comet. And that was the Rosetta Philae mission in 2014. And a small probe called Philae, it sort of bounced and then fell onto the comet. And that comet was called 67P. Churyumov Gerasimenko and I said that comets are named after their discoverers oh, that's wow. the names or the surnames of the two people who discovered that comet I was gonna say it's not a short snappy name easy to remember that one but I think you did a fantastic job <laughs> telling us about that's that a, one in particular a little bit of practice a little bit of practice there um so not only has Ellie been a fantastic captain she's managed to land us on a comet which sounds like it's very rare and very hard to do well done Captain Ellie thank you now, um, Ellie, have you got any more questions for Dara at this stage, or do you think we should head back to Earth? Yeah, I think we should. Head back to Earth. Okay. Um, Dara, are we going to pass the final quiz to allow us to get back to Earth? I, I guess we better we better give it a go, at least. All right. Are you ready for the question? Yes. Are we ready, Ellie? Yeah. Okay. So, which comet is named after an English astronomer and is expected to come by the sun again in 2061, about 75 or 76 years after it was previously spotted. I hope I hope it's not the really long name one that you just said, Dara. No. Um, did you hear any in there, Ellie? Uh, it's a famous English astronomer. Do you know what? Comet named after him. I think I might have. Mm. Any thoughts? No. no. Should we just come up with a silly name? <laughs> yeah. Shall oh. I give you some options? Oh, okay. yeah, we love an option. Shall I do that? So uh, both of these are actually British astronomers. One of them has got a, a comet named after it. Is it Isaac Newton or is it Edmund Halley? Edmund Halley. Edmund Halley. You're going for option B. Yeah. Okay, Captain Ellie says Edmund Halley. And you are absolutely correct. Ah. It's Halley's Comet. Oh, of course. Yeah, I've heard of that one before. Oh, well done, Captain Ellie. You've yeah. done fantastically. But I'm afraid it is time to head back to Earth, head back to our studio in Battersea. It is a long, long way away. We'll be back after this. learn about space from from cities like London where you know it is quite bright you can't see very many stars is is other ways to do it so one of the nice things about if you're just getting into astronomy or you want to look up at the night sky is sometimes it can be really overwhelming if you saw a sky full of stars you wouldn't know what you were looking at so when you've got a sky that is slightly light polluted and you're just seeing the brightest points it's actually really helpful because you can then start to pick out what you're looking at you can use things like star apps to help you. Ah. Um, there's even astronomical societies. So these are groups that are set up all over London or other cities where people get together and actually do stargazing. So you can actually interact and talk to people who know what they're looking at. Um, you also have museums. So places like the National Space Centre here in Leicester, where you've got the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, you've got the Science Museum, you've got the Natural History Museum, you've got loads of these different museums that will talk to you about what you can see in the sky or space rocks that you might find here on Earth. 
Uh, and they also hold things like community and family events as well. So it's a chance for you to get to know what's happening in the world of space and astronomy. Um, sometimes they have expert speakers coming in and giving talks. So you can learn from those real professionals. And I always think, and this is the way that I like to keep up to date with lots of space news, is social media. So if you can ah. keep looking at things like videos on YouTube or if you're on Twitter or even on Facebook, sometimes people are sharing stories about what's happening. And it's a really good way to keep up to date with what's happening. I never would have thought of that. That is a great idea. Now, I think we've got time as well. Ellie, do you have any questions for Dara that you'd like to ask? Um, how, well, what, what, kind, what kind of training did you do to become a SpaceX? That is a great question. And I think before I tell you how I became one, I would say that this isn't the only way to become one or to get into the role that I have, I guess. So it's really nice that there are different paths you can take to actually end up in the same job. So I actually loved science and I loved space like you when I was younger and I loved maths too. And as a result, I studied physics, which is essentially the science of how the universe works. And it has lots of maths in it, which I loved. So I studied physics while I was at university. And when I got to the end of my university degree, I realized I didn't really like researching. I liked talking about what I was learning about. So I actually then became a secondary school science teacher for a little while. So I was teaching science and that's how I got into um, kind of the museum sector where I've worked. So because I'd worked in formal education in a school, I could then transfer my skills to actually teaching people in the wider public. And so I spent six years working at the Royal Observatory in Greenwich. I was doing planetarium shows and doing talks and workshops with school groups. And then eventually I got this job here at the National Space Centre as a space expert because a lot of the skills that I'd kind of built up in my years um, lent themselves to the job that I'm doing now. So that's my path in, but I think there are lots of different routes you might be able to take. And I got to say, Dara, you are amazing at making other people excited about space. I'm sitting here very excited. And it just goes to show as well, if you like something, if you're interested in something like you were with physics and maths, it's enough to kind of carry you through anywhere you want to go with it. Now, we've almost out of time. But I've got two final questions, one for Dara, one for Captain Ellie. Dara, very quickly, are there any exciting news space stories coming up that we should be looking out for? Oh, there's always something exciting in the world of space and astronomy, I would say. Um, like I mentioned, we had the first images from the Webb telescope come out a few days ago, and we'll likely be seeing a few more of those coming out in the following months. Um, if you're into stargazing, in the middle of August, on the 12th to the 13th of August, we have the Perseids meteor shower. So if you can stay up late into the night, have a look in the sky, you might spot some meteors uh, streaking across. Um, We've also got the launch of Artemis 1 to look forward to. So just like we had people land on the moon back in the 1960s and 70s with the Apollo program, NASA are now developing their Artemis program. It's a return to the moon, but it won't just be men going this time. We'll have the first woman landing on the moon and the first person of color as well. And Artemis 1 is the first step in that mission. So they're basically testing the rocket and the spacecraft that will eventually uh, carry astronauts to the moon again. Uh, that launch will sh should take place this year. And then we should see the first astronauts back on the moon in 2025. So lots of exciting stuff. Loads of stuff to look out for. Right, I'll be putting those in my calendar. Um, but we have arrived back here in our studio on Earth. I hope it was a very smooth journey. Good, good captain in um, pilot. 
um, Ellie there. Um, and Ellie, now that we are back on Earth, a really important question for you. Have you got any friends or family or teachers that you want to say hi to that might be listening along? Give them a shout out. Probably my two parents. Your two parents. My brother, who's been a great brother. <laughs> and then maybe my grandparents as well. Oh, so big shout out to all of Captain Ellie's family. Thank you for loaning us Ellie today to help us navigate safely. And thank you, Dara, as well, for helping us explore space, this space exploration week. Well, there's a mouthful. Um, I really appreciate both of your help. But unfortunately, we are almost out of time. Um, everyone, keep listening along. We've got loads more coming up on Riverside Radio today. And we will see you on the Saturday Splash next week.